Hey, today is what I'm going to call today's title. Today will be the last day I talk on this subject because I'm going to let the classes do the rest because that's the main thing. I'm going to go back to the book of Romans and finish that up where we took a pause and, uh, and we'll start that next week. But I want, to, I want to share with you one more. I want to share with you one more, one more thought. And uh, today's title is a question of ownership. Okay. A question of ownership. And I, there's not a whole, there's not going to be a lot of, a lot of like different notes and points today. Be a little bit, but I have only really only one thing I want you to walk away with. And I'm going to take the whole time. All right. And to share this one thing in about five different ways, because I want you walking out of here with this concept, because this is the foundational concept for everything. Uh, these classes, all of stuff will mean nothing if you don't get this point, okay? And uh, this, this thing I call a question of ownership, right? Now, before we get started, I want to I wanna share with you just some kind of insight, because since today will be, be a little bit shorter, I wanted to share with you a, a one thing in particular that just so you understand kind of what, what I do, this will help you understand is that, is that, is that most of the teaching in the Bible uh, is, falls into three categories, I'd say 97% of the Bible, the teaching of the Bible falls into three categories, right? And I just like you to see how it works, right? They sound like big words, but they're not. I'll explain them, they'll be easy. Okay, number one, which is what we've been talking about, almost the entire book of Romans is devoted to this number one, which is called justification, right? What does justification mean? We've talked about it when we talked about Romans. To justify means to make that which is not right, to make it right. That which is not just, make it just, justify. The process of making something right, right? So that's what justification. So a good chunk of the Bible is about, the teaching of the Bible is about being made right with God, right? Seriously, when you take a look at the Old Testament, the sacrificial system that all points to Jesus and the whole thing about who Jesus is and what he came to do that I talk about all the time, it all fits into that category, right? What it means to be right with him. Now, the second part, all right, is a word called sanctification, right? Now, it's the process of growing, right? That's all that it really means. Sanct uh, just means holy. It's the process of being made holy. Therefore, after one becomes a believer, God is at work in your life. And it says that he who has begun a good work in you will continue it, right, till the day of Christ. So it's his work in you. It's a pretty cool thing to think about. Some people call this discipling or discipleship, whatever you want to call it. What does that mean? That just means learning, growing in your faith. After you've become, been made right with God, then it's the process of learning to live for him. Therefore, if justification is being set free, sanctification is learning to live free. And I have found a lot of people have been set free, but very few are experiencing that freedom. And I have a passion for that. Once you get a taste, not just of being set free, lots of people are set free. But it's the, when you actually begin to live in and enjoy the freedom that's already been given to you, it's a powerful thing. Well, that is where this fits in, okay? What we're talking about today, it fits in that middle category of being taught to live in the freedom you already have. Because there's nothing, there's nothing in this life that enslaves quite like finances. People think about them, people worry about them, they think about what they don't have, and if they just had more, that somehow that'd make it better. And we all know it wouldn't, yet somehow we think it'd be different for us, you know? I don't know, it's a weird thing, but, 
but that whole thing, but it's not, again, it's not just finances that, that sanctification is all about. It's a whole range of areas. And uh, I just, I love teaching. The last one, number three, is glorification. Basically, that's what happens in the future. Uh, after you die, the whole picture of resurrection and what the scripture says, what, you know, what we will be, uh, we, we, we are not what we are now, what, but what we will be. And it, and it talks about obviously the pictures of what it means to, 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 to follow in like manner after Christ and all of the different things, heaven, the different things like that. But believe it or not, there is not in proportion, there's not near the greater majority of what the scripture teaches is about, is that middle one. There's a whole lot about justification. There's a lot more about living for him. And then at the end, there's just not, there's some, all right? Uh, but glorification is the least amount. That's why when you hear people say, and it is the truth, that Jesus talked more about a per, one's personal finances than he talked about heaven or hell combined. Why? Because the greater teaching in the scriptures has to do with how to live in the freedom he's already given to you. And so one of the great areas 30% of Jesus' parables about personal finances. We're going to talk about one of them today. Why? Because there's nothing. Why is it that Jesus makes the statement, you can't serve God and money? Why? Because, because of the tendency for money and stuff to, to capture our hearts, right? So that is why we're doing this piece, all right? This is, as I've told you, again, this is not a give to the church type series. And by the way, that part of our, of our church is doing wonderful, all right? So, but that's, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to learn to live in the freedom, okay, that he's already given you. Why does God care so much about this issue? Why did Jesus talk about it so much? It all comes back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, that where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Therefore, the things that you treasure, therefore, the things, the word treasure is the word invest. The things that you invest in, your time, all right? your resources, assets, money, whatever you want to call it, right? Your talents, your effort, your heart will go there. We talked about that when we talked about contentment. The thing you invest in, a lot of who you are, that your heart just goes there. It's an amazing thing. If you don't invest anything in the things of the Lord, then your heart won't go there. So why does God talk about these things? Because he knows that's where your heart's going to go. But people get really, really tense when you talk about this subject. I guarantee you there are groups of folks that have decided to take off for a few weeks from coming to church so that they don't have to deal with it. I know that there are because people get tense in this area because you get tense about the areas that you, that you think are yours, right? And I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I hear you, okay, knock yourself out. I have learned though, I've gotten old enough to where I've learned just to, hey, listen, you know, to go do your plan for a while, right? And then after it doesn't come through, then come back and you'll have ears to hear. But I, I do this because I want, you to, I want you to see what the scripture says, right? I want you to see how it, how it walks us through these things and what these things mean, right? When it talks about this whole thought about ownership. So let's jump into it. Take a look, if you will, at Matthew chapter 25, right? Matthew chapter 25 is where we'll, uh, where we'll be. You know, it's interesting. I was looking, I was looking at some stuff, you know, and, uh, and I wanted to share with you uh, uh, some thoughts that I thought were pretty, they're, they're funny. You laugh, 
But then after you think about it, okay, that's not funny. Does that make sense? Well, here they are. All right. And here's how you know you have a problem in this area. All right. Uh, if you spend more in a year than you make, okay, you probably have a problem. All right. Does that make sense? Number two, if you don't know if you spend more in a year than you make, then you might have a problem. All right. Does that make sense? All right. Good. All right. I think you're catching on. If you don't care if you spend more in a year than you make, there might be a problem. All right. Number four, <laughs> if you look at available credit on your credit card as cash, there might be a problem. Guys, I put that one down there because let me tell you, that actually happened to me. I was talking a long time, not here at this church, all right? So if, if you've been through premarital counseling with me, don't think, is he talking about me? I'm not, it's from previous church, all right? But I actually was sitting with a young couple, you know? So funny because I always like to walk through, you know, different things with a, with a you know, couple that are about to get married because this is such a huge area in a marriage. I cannot tell you. Now at the time, they don't think it's a big deal. Why? Because you know how it is when you haven't gotten married yet. It's, you know, love will see us through. <laughs> you know, we don't even need to talk about this. It's not ever going to be an issue. Well, let's talk about it anyway, just in case, right? But when you, seriously, I was talking to him about that and, and, you know, and seriously, one of them looked at me and said, oh, I still have $1,800 of available credit. And I said, do you do realize that's not cash in the bank, don't you? I said, you, you do realize that that's not like, like, oh, why? I said, no, 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 no. See, that's what part of this is for, you know, is just to understand. Okay, good. Uh, number five, if you, say, if you hear yourself say to yourself often, where does all the money go? Right, you might have a problem, all right. Number six, if you make a reasonable salary, but you never think it's enough, Guys, I have worked with people down through the years who struggle in this area. And sometimes they get a big raise, but it does not take one year before they're back in the same spot that they were struggling. Does that make sense? It does not matter how much you make. It really, I mean, up to a certain point, you know? If you make a dollar and a half an hour, yeah, there is an issue, all right? You need to make a little bit more than that. But, but by and large, most of us, all right, it's not about how much, right? You'll see it in just a minute. It's, it's a powerful thing what I'm gonna to talk to you about today if you have the ears to hear it and eyes to see it. Okay, all right, um, number seven. If you, are making financial, if you are making financial decisions, okay, that you hope your spouse doesn't find out about, there might be a problem. Just a thought. Number eight, all right? If you're making financial decisions that you hope the IRS doesn't find out about, then there might be a problem. All right, good. So I think you understand. So what's the key here? The key is this question of ownership. And this is, uh, Matthew 25 is what we wanna talk about. And this is what I wanna talk to you about, right? The, the point, the only point for today. And here it is. It's the question of ownership versus steward. Owner versus steward. I hate saying the word stewardship because if you've been in church very long, immediately your mind goes to, okay, there's some sort of a giving campaign of something. That's not what this is about. And it's not what the scripture says a steward is. There's a picture, there's a picture in the Bible that, I mean, there's, a, there's an occupation in the Bible, okay? There is an occupation in the Bible that Jesus used several times to help you and I understand this particular principle and what it means to be his in this area. 
okay? And it's this whole concept of being a steward. What's a steward in Jesus's time? So what was meant by the word steward? The word steward, in fact, Jesus used this in several of the parables. The job of a steward was one who was, he was an account, he was an accountant, but it was more than an accountant. Um, it was, he, it was, he oversaw the property and assets of another. If you had a steward, then for you entrusted that steward with assets and he worked and used his talents and, and invested your assets so that they would bring a return for you. So it's somebody working on your behalf, right? The closest, the closest um, job today that we have in our culture for a, for a, for a steward is, the, is the, cert, the certified financial planner. All right, y'all familiar with them? They're the ones that you'll go to and say, hey, I'm gonna give you this amount of money and I want you to invest it. And then they're accountable to you with not only how it's invested, but the returns that come from it, right? Now, let's say that I'm a certified financial planner, which I am not, by the way, but let's say that I am, and you came to me with $100,000, and you said, hey, I want you, to, I want you to invest this. And let's say that I say this, okay? Oh, this is great. My wife's been wanting to remodel the kitchen. All right, now, you would look back and say, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not giving this to you, All right? I am investing in you to invest for me, right? Because that's what a steward does. That's what a certified financial planner does. In fact, huge troubles, look, huge troubles begin when the certified financial planner begins to take ownership of what you've given them. Bernie Madoff was the huge, the, was the great one, all right? Who was Bernie Madoff, right? Well, he was the guy who has, he, he defrauded, I think singularly, more than anyone else in history. Billions, billions of dollars. People invested in him to invest for them. But whenever you as a steward take ownership, bad things happen. I hope you're hearing me, right? That becomes this concept of, of ownership versus being a steward. Do you see who you are? And, and this will be eye-opening if you have the ears to hear and the eyes to see this morning. Because most people either don't get this concept or they don't want to know about it. You know, it's like, la, 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 Well, if you're here, you're gonna hear it. Because it is the scriptural context of who you and I are. You and I are not owners. We are his, right? And you will see that we become stewards. Therefore, we are managers of what's been entrusted to us. And it's a huge thing to see and to be. Now, the great part about it is it's freeing. It's one of the most freeing things that will ever happen to you. Because owners fret and worry and have ulcers and do things, right? But if you're a steward, it's a freeing. It's a, I can't tell you how freeing it really is. You'll see it in just a minute. All right. So let's talk about the parable Jesus told here. All right. This is Jesus's words. This is his teaching to us. Matthew 25 means it's toward the end of Jesus's life. He is just weeks from the cross, resurrection, and ascension. 
All right, so he tells a parable about himself and then those who were his, that is his followers. So that represents you today, if you're his. Now, if you're not his, this doesn't apply, okay? Just being real straightforward, you'll never get this concept if you're not his. In fact, sometimes even people who call themselves believers who really aren't still can't get this concept. Doesn't make any sense to them, right? Only if you've truly understood him. And if truly you've put your faith and trust in him and you're a new creation, are you going to get this concept? Right? It's, it's just the way it is. I've been doing this now for a long time and I have found people who are not regenerated, who are not converted, will never get this concept, no matter how hard they try. Right? They may try it, but their longing to do what they want to do just overcomes them and they go right back to whatever. You have to be a believer to get this concept, right? And it's only one concept I want you to see. And Jesus talks about it here in this parable. Now, there are so many applications. I could, this parable of what we call the parable of the talents, this parable, I could do an entire series on this one parable. There's so many different things within it. We are only going to look at one thing. And that's this thought of what a owner and what a steward is. So let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 25, all right, verse 14. It says this, for it's like, Jesus is telling this story. He says, for it is like a man going on a journey, a long journey. Okay, now who's Jesus talking about here? He's talking about himself. He's looking at his followers. That is those that are his, his disciples. And he's telling them, hey, listen, I am about to go. They don't get it at the time, he says it. They get it later. He says, but I'm going to go on a long journey. And so he calls in his servants, stewards, you'll see in just a minute. And he entrusted to them his property, his assets. Now, in order to entrust somebody, they have to be trustworthy. And you gain trustworthiness as you're faithful over the little, then you'll be faithful over more, right? And the Lord's not gonna give a whole lot to anyone before they've proven themselves. It's an interesting thing, right? So this is what he did. To one person, he gave five talents. Now you see the word talent. That, that is why most people don't get the meaning of this particular parable because they don't understand the word talent. You think of the word talent the way we use it today. It's an inability, it is not. The picture here is that it's a unit of measurement. It's kind of like, it's like our, 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 our British friends call their currency what? Pounds, okay? Well, have you ever had 10 pounds in your hand? So it's a representation, okay, of, of, of an asset, it's just paper, but it's a representation of it. So again, so the thought is this little script, this 10 pound script is worth 10 pounds of a precious metal. Now that currency is not, at any, even in our currency is not at play anymore. That's the way it used to be looked at. The word talent is a unit of measurement. And so a talent was a pretty good sum. Five talents was thousands of dollars in, in the average day currency. So this is money, but it represents assets. That, the, that Jesus gives to those that are his, all right? This asset can be in all different shapes and sizes. And in fact, I've used it before, but we're not gonna talk about this today, but this asset is, it can be physical abilities. It can be 
it can be intelligence. It can be uh, money. Finances, it's just a small part, but it is a big part. How can I say that? But you know what I'm saying? It's small in number, but it's huge, right? Because there's so many of these things that that Christ entrusts. When you look at the spiritual gifts and everything that goes with it, this is a this message goes far beyond just finances, but it includes them. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about it today, right? So five talents. So some of you in here have great, great abilities. But the great part about it is, is that you're only accountable for what's been entrusted to you. So let me give you an example. I will never be held accountable, okay, for not using my singing voice because it was a gift that was not given to me. Does that make sense? So you're not gonna ever be held accountable. That's the good part about it, being a steward. You're not held accountable except for that which has been entrusted to you, right? And so that is the role of the steward. The role of the steward is accountability when you think about it. And therefore trustworthiness is the most important thing. And that's why it says all through the Bible, Hebrews says it best, without faith, trustworthiness, it's impossible to even please God. Interesting, huh? So it says, gave five to one, right? And he gave two to another, and he gave one to one person, and each according to their ability, and then he went away. And then the guy who had the five talents, right? He went out at once and he traded with them. So he invested, right? And, uh, and he made five more, right? So he had five and he made five. That's what a steward does. He invests what's been entrusted to him and for the master's behalf, or if you will, for whoever owns its behalf, right? And then the guy with two, he went out, same thing. He went out and he earned two more. But the guy who'd received one, he went out and dug a hole in the ground, right? And he, and he buried the money, his master's money, it says, right? And, 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 and basically, take a look at verse 19. This is interesting. Now, if you like writing in your Bible, if you have a paper Bible, I know that sounds strange, but if you have a paper Bible, all right, underline the phrase, after a very long time. After a long time. Well, what is this picture? This picture is where we are now, from the time Jesus left until the time he comes again. It's this time. This is you and I's time, if you're a believer today. It's that time when he's continuing to entrust assets to those that are his. And we're talking about finances today. And some of you will say, you know, Jeff, I don't have any many, much finances. Listen, the amount does not matter, right? It's what's been entrusted to you and how are you using that? The thing you'll do with $100 today would be the same thing you would do with a million dollars if you had it over here. Because it's all about, because, why? Because it's not yours anyway. If you're constantly telling God, you know, why don't I have more? Why don't I do this or get that? Then you're not, you're not getting it, right? It's not about, this is hard to hear, but it's not about you, right? Why? Because it's not yours. You know, it's an interesting thing. Gosh, I wish I was the five guy. Why? 
Why? Usually because you want to think that it's mine. The five talent guy just has more to be accountable for, right? If the five talent guy only brought back one, all right? But the two talent guy brought back one, it looks like, well, they brought back the same. No, no, no. No, the other guy had more, he should have. You get the picture, this is the picture. This is the picture of what's being talked about. It's what Jesus is talking about here when he's talking about us and who we are and entrusting assets to us. You've got to get past the amount. Only the world around you and the way they live, only owners worried about how much. Those who are stewards are just worried about being faithful to what's been entrusted to them. Why, because it's not theirs. It's interesting, isn't it? When you look at it in that perspective, it is there. So after a long time, master comes back. Now the key, the key thought to being a steward is that you are accountable, right? You are accountable for what's been entrusted to you. Now I've already told you, this is much more than just sheer finances. This is every area, the, the, the talents that have been entrusted to you. But since we're talking about finances, let's only talk about them today right? That which has been entrusted to you, right? So after a long time, you know, the master comes home and he brings everybody in. This is the picture. And it's the day of accountability. People think that to be a, oh, the word accountability is pretty much the same word for judgment. And it's such a, oh, this is terrible, you know, (gasps) what's going to happen, you know. But I want you to know that those who are faithful they look forward to the day of judgment. Let me give you an illustration. Illustrations are best. Now, I was, not, I was not the world's greatest student, but we used to call test day, we used to call it judgment day. Well, we had a teacher that called it that anyway. Right? Now, test day is judgment day. Now, we always had, I was just, I was not a great student for a long time. And, but we had kids in the class, right? That they look forward to test day and they were really annoying, all right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, they came into class excited and, and it's always for one reason is why they were prepared. I'm, when you're prepared, judgment day is a day to look forward to but nobody else looks at it that way. Well, he is talking about judgment again. The only reason you're saying that is probably because you're not prepared. I know it's hard to hear, but it is the truth. Because you were like me in the class that would look over at, you know, at Bozo over here, excited about the test and go, you are strange. (laughs) Right? And so it comes down to this thought. Okay, listen, this is crazy. It comes down to accountability, judgment, whatever you want to call it. All has to do with being prepared. All has to do with being faithful. And so when you look at this passage, this little story that Jesus is telling, it's revealing. All right, so let's take a look at it. All right, number verse 20. It says, the guy who'd received five, he came in and he gave an accounting. He says, this master, he says, you gave me five talents and... I've got, I've made five more, right? And the master said to him, it's interesting, well done, 
good and faithful servant. Oh, that's awesome. So you did what you were supposed to do. Now, what is the reward for the faithful? You know, our hedonistic world wants to <laughs> get more. It's not, right? Why? Because it's not yours. Yeah, it's hard to get this concept. Again, if you're not a believer, you're not ever going to get it. But if you're a believer, it's hard to live in this world and catch this concept. But take a look at it. What is the reward of being faithful? You get more responsibility. He just gives you more because you've proven to be faithful. If you blow it, then why is he gonna give you any more, right? If I give you money to invest as a financial planner and you go out and spend it on, on your wife's kitchen, do you think you're gonna get any more from me? No, why would God entrust anything, any more to anybody who's not faithful with, with what he's already entrusted them? This is the concept, guys. If you can get, if you can get this idea of stewardship, you will understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. If you don't, you never will be. Why? Because it's who we are. Jesus is going away and he's telling this whole story for us to be able to get, our, to get, get it our relationship with him. So he looks at this guy and he says, you've been faithful over a little, I'm gonna give you a bunch, right? But listen to me, <laughs> I don't wanna be, I, wanna, I just want you to get this. Having more is not better. It just means you're accountable for more. That might be better, I don't know. But sometimes, like, like in my case, sometimes, Okay, Lord, I'm done. You can't, you can't, you can't get me anymore. I, I, this, this is all I can do for now. But if it's about you being the owner, then all you ever do is pray for us for more. Am I making sense? Because if you think it's yours, then you want more. But if you're working it for his behalf, it's one of those things, Lord, only give me more if you give me the strength to be able to handle it. You've got to see that. But if you play into this world's rule of, of, of if it's yours, then it will it'll never run out for you. Rockefeller said when somebody asked him, Mr. Rockefeller, he's considered the richest man in the, in the country at this time. He said, how much is enough? He said, just a little bit more. Why? Because it's an empty thing. If you don't see yourself as a steward, why? Because it can't ever fill, right? So he goes on and says, enter joy. So the guy with the two talents came, right? Two talent guy came. And then and he says, master, you gave me two talents. Here he says, I've made two more. And I want you to look at verse 23, it's the same reward. So it's not about what you have, it's about what you've done with what you have, right? It's not the amount, we gotta get over the amount right? Because if God entrusted a whole lot more to you, you're accountable for a whole lot more on this day, is what Jesus is saying. Interesting, huh? It's a perspective change. It's a real perspective change, right? And then the guy who received the one, he comes in, and here's what he says, Master, I know you to be a hard man. Now, I find that unbelievable. A hard man. 
he's only a hard man to those who aren't faithful, but he's a joy to those that are faithful. Does that make sense? Therefore, it's amazing to me how that people make the enemy those who keep them accountable. Now, I want to be ugly here. I'm going to get myself in trouble. But I don't care. You got to see this. We look at the, we look at the, and we call the, 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 the owner of the building, right? We call him, a, you know, you know a, a greedy, wicked person because he evicts us because we hadn't paid for eight months. I will never get that. Why is he the bad guy? He's only the bad guy when you don't do what you're supposed to do. Isn't that interesting? Well, I knew you were a hard guy. No, just fair, right? But I knew you were a hard guy, and I, so I was afraid. In other words, I don't want any part of this. So I went out and hid what you gave me. I dug it in the ground, I hid it. And I know that you basically, you know, you, you, you gather seed where you've not sown. Take a look at that piece. Can you put that back up there? The piece about it says, um, make sure, reaping where you don't sow and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. Basically what the guy is saying here is, is that why am I going to Lord work for you? Because it's not benefiting me. I'm only gonna work when it benefits me. What's in it for me? So I just held on to it, I'm gonna give it back to you. But why am I going to benefit? Why am I going to work for your benefit when it doesn't benefit me? You see what he's saying? No, it's all about me. You know, one of the hardest things I found with believers, unbelievers, it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer, but those who are, are believers, is, especially in our culture, it's learning to get over ourselves. It is one of the hardest things to do. If you're honest, how do I get over with it not all being about me? How can, because that's what a steward is. If it's about you, but that's what this guy's problem was. How is this benefiting me? Right? I can't tell you how many, quote, believers, if they are believers, have quit through the years because they're, either not getting recognized or they don't see the benefit for them or whatever. Why? Because that's the way of our world. It's all about me. I'm an owner. Therefore, it's my life. It's my time. It's my resources. So how's it benefiting me? But see, as a steward, it's not about what benefits you. It's about how it benefits him and that you're accountable to him for how you use it. My hope and prayer for you today is to be able to get this because we're going way beyond finances here and we're going to what it means to be his, right? And we have gotten so out of whack today in our culture. I can't tell you how many Bible quote, Bible teachers on TV talk about getting stuff from God so you can have more stuff. They call it the prosperity gospel. Good Lord help us. Good Lord help us. So we've become greedy believers now that somehow we only obey God if we get more stuff, you'll quit. I promise you, you'll quit. Because when it's about what you get, 
then forget it. You're like this guy. You're like the number three, right? You just dig it in the ground and God, if you didn't give me any more, I'm not giving you any more. Scratch my back, God, I'll spread yours. Forget it. That's not the relationship. It never has been. These are such, such a part, one concept, one concept, and it is powerful to think about, right? So I was afraid I went out and hid your talent. Here it is, take it. Master, you know, said to him, just basically called him wicked and lazy, slothful. That's what slothful means, right? He says, couldn't you, and he goes on to say, so this is not about me, it's about you. Sown, right, sown and scattered no seed. He said, why didn't you at least just put it in the bank and let it earn some interest? In other words, zero? And guys, what this means is, is that doing nothing is just not acceptable, right? Doing nothing is just not acceptable, right? In fact, I think it's better to have risked and lose than to do nothing, right? Because when you risk and lose, at least you learn something along the way. I haven't met anyone that God has really used that has not really made some bad mistakes and really made some bad choices and lost, but they learned. That's how God teaches you, but to do nothing, Zippo, you, you just, I mean, there's nothing happening. I don't know, it's an interesting thing when you look at it. He goes on to say, you know, listen, why don't you take the talent from him, you know, and give it to this other guy who's been faithful. And, uh, and, and then he goes on past that, and there's a lot more that I could teach you there, but there's not enough time for us to do. So this guy was, was called, everybody's gonna be called into account, right? We can't get caught up in the amount, right? You know, this also brings up the, the concept of envy and jealousy. What drives envy and jealousy? If someone else has something you don't. Well, guys, if none of it's yours anyway, if you can live in this perspective, Envy and jealousy will be out of your life forever. Why? Because I have what he's given me. And if he wanted to give me more, he could give me as much as he wanted. Right? And I have found those who have served him have almost to the point of, Lord, please don't give me any more. I can't handle any more. Right? I'm doing all I can do right, right now. Right? But that's the picture. Then usually he always dump something else out on you and say, okay, now I need you to handle this and this, right? But isn't it an interesting perspective? Perspective. Therefore, envy and jealousy. When you understand that God's the one who gave it, then you begin to accept that whatever you have, that's what he wants you to have. And if you get more, it'll only be, you'll be accountable for more. See, there's this weird feeling because we have to live in this world. Guys, everybody in the room, don't feel bad. This is not a kick on you day. This is really not. It's just an awareness, a perspective, because the world you have to live in, this is so foreign in their thinking. In fact, if you're not a believer in this room, you're thinking, I'm nuts. I get that. I've been there before. But this is, again, this is who he's called us to be. And in reality, it brings such peace when you know that it's his. Right? Lord, I'm working for you. Right? I'm looking for you. 
So envy and jealousy kind of goes out the, out the door. You know, I wanted to share with you 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Don't turn to it, just look at the screen. And I wanted you to see this. And I've, I prayed, I said, God, let us see this. But King David, David, he was one of the great people in all of the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, one of the top three. Uh, you, have, you have Moses, right? You have Abraham, Moses, and David. But David's a central character. I mean, he was not a perfect guy. He messed up on several occasions. But in the New Testament, it says about David is that he was a man after God's own heart. What was it? Because that's probably the highest compliment you can get as being a follower of who the Lord is. But what made David so in, such an incredible person? Or, 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 or whatever you want to call him. I believe it's found in this passage I'm about to read to you. And if you've got eyes to see and ears to hear this one, this will let you, this will, this will let you understand. Okay. 29 verse 10, it says, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. That is in front of everybody. And David says, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Now listen to this. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, which just means king, kingship. Why? Because everything in the heavens and everything on earth is yours. So what's he saying? He's saying, listen, God, all the power in the world, all the greatness in the world, all of the everything, it's all, it's all yours. Look at verse 11. Yours is the kingdom. Okay, I don't know if you've been in history. I have. I've read about a lot of kings. And the greatest problem with kings or queens is that they have a hard time getting over themselves. But David said right out loud, this is, I'm the king, but it's not my kingdom. God, it's yours. I'm just accountable to you with how it's run. Boy, how many leaders would we like to have on that page where it's not about them? Can you imagine if we had groups in Washington that saw that it was not about them? Oh my, anyway, we're not going there. All right. So what made David great was is that he had ultimate power and yet he still saw himself as a steward, accountable to God with how that power was used. He was one of the richest people who ever lived at his time other than Solomon. But how did he see this? Well, he says, yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you're exalted as your head above all, right? Both riches and honor Come from what? God, it all comes from you. It all comes from you. I believe it's what David, the person that he was, is that he knew who it belonged to and that he was accountable to God with how it's used. It's a powerful thing. He goes on at verse 13, and now we thank you, O God, and we praise your glorious name. It just is a picture, I think, of, of what made David the person David was, powerful thing. Let me give you three thoughts. I'm gonna say them all at once because they all say the same thing, but I want you to see it. Number one, everything belongs to God. 
Okay? Number two, everything comes from him. And number three, everything is dispensed by God. He'll give one five, he'll give one two, he'll give one one. Therefore, some people would, would say, okay, I, want you, I just want you to fill this in for me. That's not fair. Why? If it's not yours anyway, then what's fair? It's just how he's decided to hand it out, right? Only owners talk about it not being fair. Is that right? Therefore, it's become mine. Therefore, Lord, whatever it is you've given me, I want to leverage it. I want to use it for your kingdom. What does that look like, God? How do I do that? Because you're even gonna give me the strength to do that, isn't it? So everything's dispensed by him. Oh, that's interesting. All right, we're gonna close. The last thing I wanna share with you, though, is an illustration. And, you know, I don't know, several years ago, we did something in here in the services that was pretty interesting. How many of you were here the day that we handed out the money? All right, raise your hand real high. The rest of you are going, you handed out money? Yeah, all right. And it was, it was really a lot of fun, okay? Yeah, I bet it was, Jeff. Yeah, well, you know, but let me tell you what we did, all right? This, is, this was a classic, a classic time in the life of our church. And I learned so much from it. One of the greatest things we ever did. Because what we did was we handed out money to everybody and everybody got an envelope. Even the children that came in got an envelope because I wanted them to learn too, especially them. And in some of the envelopes, most of the envelopes, it had $10. And then in quite a few, it had $20. And then there were some that had 50. And I did that on purpose. Why? Because of the five talents, two talents, and one talent, right? And, and you could, you, it, all, it really helped because if somebody, you know, is up there going, you know, 50, 50, why does that matter? Because it's not yours. But then I only got, I got 10. It's not yours anyway, so why are you griping? He gave it to you. All right, now here we go. So I, this is what I said. I said, this is not your money. It freaked people out. It was hysterical, right? I said, this is not your money. Now, here's what I want you to do. This is God's money. So I want you to pray about it, and I want you to figure out how to invest it in his kingdom so that his kingdom will benefit. That's what I want you to do. And so they took a couple of weeks and, and they went out and invested it. And then, we, and then I told them in order to be accountable, you have to write back in how it was used, how his money was used, right? It's kind of like that at the very end of the parable of the talents. Master brings them in, okay, tell me what you did, All right? It was amazing. It's one of the best things we ever did here. I want you to know that it was somewhere around $30,000. It was the best $30,000 we ever spent because we unleashed so many of you. Boy, some of you got so creative, I can't tell you what was done just in our community with the money that you had. All the way down to a child who took it a little more concretely. He went out and bought $10 worth of gas, put it in his lawnmower, went around cutting I forgot what he brought back, $45, something like that. Well done, right? Well done. I think one uh, lady that wrote in, she had 20 bucks, and so she'd, God had been putting on her heart to, to share Christ with a coworker, and so she took, her to, she took her to lunch and paid for it with that and shared Christ 
with her? Guys, it, it was, I can't tell you how it was used. But say, Dad, Jeff, didn't some people squandered? I said, of course. You always have those people with you, right? They're always gonna squander. They're always gonna say, a hot dog, I can do whatever I wanna do. You're just a bad steward. I mean, what else can I say about you? I mean, I don't wanna be ugly, but it's the truth, you know? But there weren't many, to be honest, because we kept tabs. The greater majority turned back in. I can't tell you the creativity of the amount of good that was done for God's kingdom with that $30,000. It was unbelievable. But then I had some people who came to me and said, you know, or that it made them nervous. They said, I don't want this. I just, I said, well, just turn it back in. But you're kind of like the third guy. You know, boy, I don't want, I'm too afraid of what, I might mess this up or whatever. That's not who God's called you to be. It's to be invested. Not just to be hoarded, not just to do nothing, right? Interesting how that works, huh? But the one thing that I told everybody, okay, why is it that you treated the 50, the 20, and the 10 so differently? Why? Because it's all his. Is it not? The money in your account now, is it not his? If you're his, is it not his? Well, then take 20 bucks out of there and go do the same thing. Does that make sense? Are you hearing me? But something about it being the church's money, which means it's God's money, it, it held a high view and a high feeling of accountability. But is that not all of us and everything? Of course it is. Guys, this is a concept I've got to be done, but this is a concept I've just had so passionate for you to hear, understand, because that's who you are. If you're his, all right? If you're his, that's who we are, right? That's who we are, okay? We're not owners. We're accountable to him to what's been entrusted to us. It's an amazing thing, right? An amazing thing to think about. So as we close today, I mean, again, I encourage you to be a part because this is one area of your life I just really encourage you because I'm convinced that a whole bunch of you long to be generous. It's just that we've gotten ourselves in situations so strapped that we can't be generous, right? What if your next door neighbor lost his job tomorrow, has two or three kids and really began to struggle? Wouldn't you want to just head down to the grocery store, buy them a couple hundred dollars worth of groceries? Sure. But so many that you have to prepare to be used. But if you spend everything, you don't have any, any way to help. When the situation comes up, it's not there. That's not who he's called you to be. Guys, that's what this is all about. That's why we're doing this. Helping people get to the place that, we, that they want to be anyway. It's an amazing thing. I... I am so excited about it. Guys, if you're sitting on the fence and, and hadn't gotten a part of this, I, please jump into one of these. I've already heard incredible things after just, just what happened last hour. You know, what's, what's going on? Don't, don't miss this one, all right? And the freedom that can come with it.